From WUSC, FM, and HD1 Columbia, I'm Flynn Snyder. And I'm Trey Martin. This is Hot Topics from WUSC News. Coming up, we chat with English band Glass Animals to discuss their most recent album, Dreamland, and how they think it reflects the current time. Drummer Joe Seward and bassist Ed Irwin Singer will give us a look at the psychedelic pop band's creative process and how their sound has adapted over time. And they'll also reflect on their recent live stream performances and what they miss most about uh, performing in person. That's all coming up this week on Hot Topics. First, the news. Live from WSC News, I'm Tyler Fedor. The University of South Carolina is now taking its own saliva test and sharing it with the rest of the state and other universities, as well as making their own testing capabilities more efficient. WSC's Wardjalis reports. USC officials announced today that the university will be expanding its saliva testing program to other schools around South Carolina. That's all thanks to a new $16.7 million grant from the state. The university is partnering with DHEC, MUSC, and Clemson University to make the expansion happen. This comes after a recent Post and Courier article highlighting the growing outbreak in Clemson. The university is reporting that at least 4,300 students have now been infected there, likely making it the highest case total of any university in the nation. Officials at Clemson say that the number reflects its aggressive testing strategy, requiring all students to get tested once a week. The USC College of Pharmacy that developed the rapid saliva test being used on USC's campus is hoping that it can be used to the benefit of other universities like Clemson in the future. In Columbia, Ward Jalis, WUSC News. A coronavirus relief bill is still up in the air on Capitol Hill, with legislatures saying they're aiming to get a deal formed by the end of the week. WSC's Cadence Tomlinson reports. There have been some mixed messages in the past few days surrounding negotiations on a fairly large coronavirus stimulus bill being pushed by Democrats in Congress. ABC reports that Democratic Congresswoman Nancy Pelosi claimed her Tuesday talks with Treasury Secretary Stephen Mnuchin had been productive. Congresswoman Pelosi suggested on Wednesday that a coronavirus relief deal was imminent, but other lawmakers aren't so sure. Republican Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell told Republicans in a private meeting on Tuesday that he will not support a stimulus deal until after the presidential election on November 3rd. He advised the White House not to move forward with the deal, expressing concern that a pre-election vote would interfere with the confirmation of Judge Amy Coney Barrett to the Supreme Court. Cadence Tomlinson, WUSC News. The opioid epidemic has been going on in the United States since the 90s, but now a company that's had a hand in spreading the opioids is being brought to court. WSC's Abigail Brandon reports. Purdue Pharma will plead guilty to three felony criminal charges and pay $8.3 billion in fines in a settlement announced by the Justice Department today, October 21st. Purdue Pharma, the makers of prescription opioid oxycodone, have been accused of supporting the prescription opioid abuse epidemic that kills around 128 Americans a day due to overdose, according to the CDC. The Sackler family, owners of the company, are not being charged directly and insist that they have acted ethically. The settlement deal does not include future criminal charges of people involved in opioid marketing. The company will now operate under government control and continue to manufacture opioid medication. Due to Purdue Pharma filing for bankruptcy last year, it is unlikely that the federal government will receive the entire 
Purdue Pharma will plead guilty to three felony criminal charges and pay $8.3 billion in fines in a settlement announced by the Justice Department today, October 21st. Purdue Pharma, the makers of prescription opioid oxycodone, have been accused of supporting the prescription opioid abuse epidemic that kills around 128 Americans a day due to overdose, according to the CDC. The Sackler family, owners of the company, are not being charged directly and insist that they have acted ethically. The settlement deal does not include future criminal charges of people involved in opioid marketing. The company will now operate under government control and continue to manufacture opioid medication. Due to Purdue Pharma filing for bankruptcy last year, it is unlikely that the federal government will receive the entire sum of $8 billion. With WUSC News, I'm Abigail Brandon. The Dow Jones Industrial Average fell 97 points today. The Nasdaq fell 31 points, and the S&P 500 fell 7 points. It's currently 79 degrees outside with a low of 64 tonight. The high for tomorrow is 82 degrees with a low of 62. I'm Tyler Fedor, and you're listening to WSC News. It's 6.06. And welcome, Columbia, and anywhere that uh, anyone may be listening to another episode of Hot Topics right here on 90.5 from WUSC News. As always, I'm Flynn Snyder, joined by Trey Martin. And Trey, we have a very, very special show lined up for today. Yes, so uh, this past Monday, since Glass Animals are located in the United Kingdom, we Zoom called with uh, Ed Irwin Singer and Joe Seward of the band. And so for those of you guys who do not know, Glass Animals is taking audiences to dreamland for their latest album. Inspired by an auto accident involving drummer Joe Seward in 2018, the band's frontman, Dave Bailey, took an introspective approach for their latest album. After reaching number seven on the Billboard charts here in the United States, the UK-based band is continuing their growth in the music industry with their innovative third album. Yeah, and the band is also taking innovative steps to stay connected to fans during the coronavirus pandemic with a recent live stream concert this past week. And uh, as Trey said, we sat down with drummer Joe Seward and bassist Ed Irwin Singer uh, to talk more about the band's latest album, what goes into creating their live performances, and what they miss most about music during the pandemic. The two joined us from uh, the UK while Trey, Troy, and I were right here in Columbia. Guys, again, thanks so much for sitting down and doing this with us. It, it really means a lot. Um, we've really been looking forward to this. So um, I guess we'll, again, just uh, now that uh, Joe's here, we can go ahead and do a quick introduction again, uh, and then we'll, um, we'll start asking y'all some questions. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm Troy. I'm the producer for WSC News here in Columbia. Um, uh, we, our show is called Hot Topics. We do interviews with artists and musicians, uh, people just involved in culture and arts, uh, whether that's in the Columbia area here or around the world, like with you guys. Um, and recently we've kind of had a focus on uh, how artists have kind of 
prevailed and combated their experience with the coronavirus. Uh, while that isn't like our number one focus, that's one thing that we've kind of touched on in a lot of our interviews. Um, and we figured it'd be cool to talk to you all about that. But um, yeah, I'll, I'll let uh, Flynn and Trey introduce themselves. Hey, what's up, guys? My name is Flynn. Uh, oh, wait. Yeah, I'm Trey's co-host. And uh, yeah, thank you guys so much for coming on. Not only is this big for Trey and I and Troy individually, but this is also really big for the show. So thank you guys so much for supporting student media um, here at the university. It's really appreciated and I'm really excited. Thanks for having us. I wanted to open things up. You guys recently just did like a live stream show. Um, and that's something what a lot of artists have had to push to do. Troy was actually like watching that um so so what was y'all's experience with that and do you guys have any plans for doing more of that in the future we had obviously so much touring planned around the album we would be doing it right now and um we couldn't do that because of the coronavirus so we thought we'd try and do something interesting and different that involved us playing a gig online <laughs> we initially wanted to do like a kind of just like a live show but then we kind of thought well because it's going to be online, there's loads of things you can do, which you wouldn't be able to do in a show, which like, you know, using like different media and different like ideas about playing with the, the barrier between the audience and the computer and all that stuff. So we, we kind of came up with some crazy ideas for try like how to, how to do that. Yeah. We, we, it was basically just like a kind of how many weird and interesting things can we do with the, with the format, because it's a new format that not many people have done before. And, um, how kind of interesting can we can we make it for the audience and like engaging and kind of break down that barrier that you have when you're online you know that's kind of part of what a show is is that amazing feeling of like being together in this space sharing this experience together and we tried to kind of think of ways to do that online um with the kind of really new and limited format that it is um so yeah i think it went all right there were some technical problems that we came across which was really annoying which weren't really our fault that was to do with the stream yeah. itself yeah. Um, but apart from that, I think it went well. People seem to like it. Um, yeah, Joe, what do you think? I don't know. It was, it was kind of crazy. It was a bit of a wild experiment. Yeah, I mean, I think everything that we've done in the last sort of, I don't know, eight, well, six to eight months has been uncharted territory. Um, it's like an, there's a just the rule book has been torn up and thrown out the window. So I think like even releasing a, an album in this, in the current climate was a sort of, um, a brave thing to do um, and quite a scary thing to do. Um, and I think that the show was a sort of continuation of, of what we've been doing over the last six to eight months, which was trying to um, create an environment where new music could live and exist and and trying to sort of um yeah f find a way of of these the things that we do every day existing in a world where none of those things are really possible so this live show it was like a stab in the dark really um and it, in many ways it was really exciting in in other ways it was really terrifying um and I think the sort of end result of it is a, is a, was a combination of, of those two things. Like the technical problems that happened were, I guess, what happens when you 
play with something as massive as the internet. Um, but I think I'm really proud of, of the way it looked and sounded and those things you can't really do in real life. So it was a really interesting process and a really inter interesting project. Um, and I think probably one that will um, become clearer to audiences and artists um, as time goes on, if this has to be the way that um, live music is shown to the world. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree with y'all. The, the live stream was, was really, really cool. And y'all uh, touched on this on like your socials and stuff about how it was like one big set and then there was like little sets within the overall set. And I mean, that, that came down to like the inspiration for your album and like how you guys, it looked like how y'all designed those and had those sets set up. So, I mean, I guess one of the big questions we wanted to ask was like, what was some of like the, the biggest inspiration for Dreamland? have to get a tin opener can opener and open up dave's head and prod around inside to find find the, all the all the juicy details for that we're in a pre-covid world and dave is really interested in exploring this idea of um nostalgia and like looking back looking backwards over his life that was sort of that's the premise of the album it's supposed to be a sort of um a look back at a life and all of the things, the mistakes and scary things you've done and worrying things and happy things and um, experiences you've had that have made you the person that you are or Dave the person that he is. And, and in doing so, it involved a lot of looking back. Um, and when the world was sort of thrust into this COVID world of lockdown, um, looking forward in time became very difficult for everybody i think just because it was so unknown that no you know it, it suddenly became apparent that lots of people were listening to old music rather than new music and watching old films and and tv shows that they'd watched in the past and and cooking old food and like there was this like um i think quite universal nostalgic sort of thing that was going on um and that coincided with an album that Dave had um, well a load of lyrics that Dave had written that were about looking backwards in time and I think that those two things coincided in a really interesting way um, certainly in a way that made me feel that it was um, quite an amazing time to be releasing the album um, not one I necessarily would have chosen to do, but um, I think, yeah, it sort of fitted in a really interesting way. Yeah, I, um, I kind of I want to go back, Joe, and ask you about July 2018 when you had your accident, um, and you know you spent weeks in the hospital recovering from that. What was the impact on, I guess, each band member individually in terms of? Um, the music and how that impacted this new album because you talk about the nostalgic part but you know Dave also wanted to zoom out and kind of just have an existential frame on the album so kind of talk about how your recovery inspired the album if at all and um, what led the motivation behind a lot of the songs on it um, I don't know how much I mean it was very difficult looking out from the inside of something like that um, I think that Ed will be able to tell you much more about how how it felt and what impact it had than 
than I can. Um, and certainly Dave's experience of it was um, uh, very much his own experience, if you know what I mean. I'm not sure I'm necessarily the most qualified person to tell you the impact of the accident that I had on everybody else's life. Um, which is frustrating for you and for me, actually. But um, yeah, I think certainly from what, I've, from what I understand, it was the beginning of, of Dave's um, adventure into the, into the past yeah. for many of the reasons that I just highlighted. Yeah, Ed, um, do you want to touch on that a little bit, Ed? Yeah, well, I, think that, I think that throughout that time, you know, we, we were in the middle of, well, we're coming to the end of the touring and we, we had lots of touring life plans and, you know, suddenly everything was thrown up in the air from the band's perspective and, then, and and we all basically just went to Ireland to visit Joe as soon as we could and spend time there trying to kind of be around him and his family throughout the recovery and I think just that process of like suddenly questioning everything wondering you know what 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 next what you know all of those thoughts make you know make you more inward looking look more to the past and look more kind of questioning you know how we got to that place and, and where we were going to go next. You know, we weren't, I think it would have been very weird for us and for Dave particularly to like start writing like, you know, big rock bangers or like, you know, it was, it wasn't going to be that kind. It was clearly, clear, clearly would have felt really weird to, to make that kind of music. So I think, I think, um, I think it did, it did sort of in the background play part of a role in shaping shaping the album but i think it was pretty it was very much in the background it was a kind of the psychological like uh prelude to to it rather than like the album was about joe's accident i don't think it was it was as clear-cut as that by any stretch of imagination when you right. say so Joe. yeah absolutely and i think that ed's just touched on exactly why this album i think has a really important role to play in the world now because we went through our own sort of mini covid-esque shutting down of the world um when that album happened everything that like was certain for us as a band and as individuals was completely thrown up into the air and everything was chaos and now the world is experiencing its own accident where no one knows what the end is or how how you know no one knows how this ends um and i think in in doing in being in a world where that exists people are doing what dave did which is look back in time and find memories that are safe and and happy and interesting and secure because they are they're there and they happened rather than looking forward in time yeah and i you know you talk about how nostalgic was the overall theme of the album but i'm just kind of interested in the production aspect of it and you guys i guess would be the two most perfect people to talk to because i just was so interested in the percussion and bass lines in this album was the production process different because you guys were coming at it from a different mindset and if so how how was it different i think that whilst whilst dave lyrically was thinking very much backwards i think production wise he is always forging forwards and he he, he loves referencing the past he um i think particular sound references for him were the beach boys and dr dre for this record but i think he was very keen to kind of whilst touch on those things to kind of find a new path forwards drawing on sounds that he'd heard recently and trying to make new, like a kind of 
you know, keep keep pushing forwards rather than like make the album sound like it was from the past. I think he was very keen to make sure that it was like moving in a new direction musically. And yeah, I think that like that was kind of the the sort of framework for it. I think Pet Sounds was a massive the Beach Boys record Pet Sounds was a massive reference point for him. Um in terms of like the the kind of dreamy soundscapes. But clearly, if you listen to the record, it doesn't sound like Pet Sounds at all. It sounds like kind of a, a kind of in, in big, wide range of influences, I reckon. Um, and I wanted to yeah. ask about like, uh, you guys mentioned that, that Dave obviously has a lot of pool in, in what you guys put out. Uh, so what uh, is the rest of the band's kind of role in doing that? Since Dave, it kind of all comes out of his head. Um, you know, I, I'm also in a band and, and so I've been around that creative process and I know that every band does it differently, you know, so when you guys are trying to make songs, what's kind of the, the layout that, that you guys go through? Dave will bring us, he'll show us a demo that he's made on Ableton, which will have like all sorts of stuff in it. Could have drums, could have vocals, could have lyrics, could have all sorts of things. Sometimes like they're like little beats, sometimes they're like pretty fully formed songs. And then we'll just like tear them apart, put them back together, push them around, tell tell them which bits we like, which bits we don't like, try re-recording bits, parts. Yeah, and like basically just throw things at it until it kind of takes its final shape. Sometimes they, they don't end up changing very much from the way that he started them because they're like beautifully formed little demos that sound already sound amazing. And sometimes they take more kind of longer journey. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I agree all of the records have almost been the demos, word for word, beat for beat, note for note. Um, and other songs go on like pretty wild journeys, actually. And I think that's the, that's the beauty of it, is that like the way that we work, there's, there's always a kind of core that we start with and that, that core can be many things. Um, but the the sum of of everybody's ideas on top of that is is like is why the songs sound like glass animals I think. But you know, like Hazy on the first album and um, Cane Sugar on the second one, Youth were essentially the demos. Dreamland was Dreamland on Dreamland was very close to the demo that we heard. Um, there are there are songs that never change and we really try and change them and we kind of throw as many ideas as we can at them and realize after some time that the song actually hasn't got any better so we take it right back to the beginning um but yeah every every song has a kind of different journey i think which is really nice ed you um talked about dave listening to not only like the beach boys but also dr dre so having a bunch of different influences there um it, it definitely shows on the album because you guys have songs like like dreamland but then you also have like tokyo drifting that's got denzel curry on it um so is that all dave or do you guys have any like hip-hop influences or any like wild influences that kind of um help give glass animals a little bit of a twist on like a traditional sound um I think it's just, um, I think we all had quite different backgrounds growing up. We all went to high school together, but before that, we all had very different backgrounds. Dave grew up in America listening to a lot of like hip hop. And I think, you know, his dad was 
into like more traditional British music from the 60s, like Beach Boys, well, they're American, obviously, and Beatles, stuff like that. Um, yeah, we all had different influences growing up. So I think we kind of, it all kind of comes together a bit. We certainly went through a massive, massive Kendrick Lamar phase in about 20, when was that, like 20, 2014, 2013. Um, so yeah, we share a lot of music, but we also have quite wide, pretty wide, like, selection of tastes. Can you say so, Joe? Yeah, yeah. It mashes together. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then uh, I guess my, my one final question that I had in talking with artists, um, we see that sometimes like their creative process is listening to a bunch of different things and trying to draw influence from that. Um, but then sometimes the creative process is artists don't listen to anything at all and they just pull from their own head. It seems like you guys draw influence from other artists, but, but do you guys, where do y'all fall, do you think, in that kind of spectrum? Never, never kind of, de never deliberately. It's, I think there's, there's always a phase when you're making an album and you don't really listen to any music. I think that seems to happen every time. And then like you come out of it and suddenly you're like, what the hell's been going on with music? Let's there's so much I need to listen to now kind of goes through phases isn't it oh nothing it's just the like the literal last thing that i want to do when we're writing is go home from the studio having been listening to music all day and listen to more music um but i think that like i think the the music you like will have an in, an influence on on the music you make no matter how hard you try and you know not let that happen um I think we, if that is the spectrum, I think we probably fall somewhere in the middle of it. In that, like, um, there's never any sort of deliberate attempt to sound like anything or, or make a song that sounds like a song. Um, but I, I, I think that, like, all of our music sounds like all of the, the music that we love, probably, and have listened to over the course of our lives. Yeah, and I, I want to switch gears quickly, um, just to wrap it up, um, about the live shows and the live performances. I've actually had the opportunity to see you guys live. I think it was actually the second to last live set that you guys did before the pandemic hit in Okeechobee, Florida. And oh, yeah. it, it, was, it was an experience in and of itself. I mean, it was just crazy. Um, just the production, everything. Kind of, it, it seems almost like it was very different from a lot of other shows that I've been at kind of talk about what goes into making the live shows happen. Like, do you guys have a lot of creative input into what you want it to look sound like? How do you guys come about with the sets um, and the, the set lists? Just what goes into putting together a glass animals concert? Because it is very different from any other artist you will see. Well, that show was very special for one particular reason, which was that the festival had, like a bunch of pyrotechnic flame cannons that they and they told, they just told us you can use them if you want we've got them and no one's used them yet so our tour manager sat behind the, on the side of the stage pressing buttons to fire all the flamethrowers for fun basically <laughs> really funny because usually those things are really expensive and they had them they were like yeah might as well use them so we thought that'd be fun so that's the only time we've ever used them before it's really funny and we they have to have like bits of the stage marked out because you don't want to stand anywhere near those things. Right. So I was pretty scared walking on stage <laughs> when that happened. Um, but yeah, like a lot of work goes into the live show. Um, trying to get, if it's just like, even just trying to get the colours for each song right. Um, 
all the way through to like the video content like a lot of festivals nowadays have they don't have like they just have a big blank video screen and you have to kind of put something on it otherwise it's kind of boring to watch especially at a distance um so you know we try and make the most of that like find people who and that was something we did for this new live stream was trying we found these amazing women who make um who make video content for live screens and they did an incredible job i think um coming out with loads of really cool cool visuals um but yeah it's 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 a big like i guess we we're quite hands-on with every part of the of, of everything <laughs> yeah yeah um, and that definitely expand, extends the live show yeah i think we're probably a nightmare to work with because <laughs> of how much care and like the detail that goes into everything like Dave, Dave's de- attention to detail in the in what the stage looks like. Ed's attention to detail in what what it all sounds like and how it's all set up. It's like a it's an undertaking, the live side of things, um, and it's kind of something that we should be doing like a lot right now. Obviously, because the albums just come out and it feels like a big hole because there's so much time spent kind of trying to make it as beautiful and brilliant as we can um that now there's just like this massive hole in time and um you know that's been part of the reason why this live show online was so exciting for us is because it you know it was a return to what what it felt like we should be doing right now um yeah i can't wait to get back out on the road it's kind of what we're what we're built to do well, let me kind of pick your brain a little bit and ask you about your live sets. Um, it seemed at that particular show in Okeechobee, when Gooey came on, everyone kind of just looked at each other and was like, yes, this is the moment we've been waiting for. Because, you know, Gooey is the big Glass Animals hit. Um, but is, is that your favorite song to perform? Or do you guys have other songs? Because obviously every song that you guys had was, you know, fire. But is do you have a particular song that you guys like performing live? Yeah. Each one of us is a different one, I'd say. Gooey's fun because Dave goes into the crowd, so he's always miles away from us. And, like, so we have to, like, try and keep the show on the road. Like, whilst he's, like, so far away, he can barely hear us. There's <laughs> always, with the PA system, there's always a huge delay from, the like, between what he sings and when it comes out. And that really messes with his ears. So he, he often just, like, kind of just has to sing, bl- like, blind, I guess, without being able to really hear us. And we just have to follow him. So that's quite exciting because we don't play with the click. So like we just have to follow what he's doing, um, which is always quite entertaining. And also you can hear the crowd and because his mic's in the crowd, you can hear the crowd noise so loudly. So it's really chaotic. Ed so finds it entertaining. Ed. I find it like it's a hell. <laughs> Ed finds it really funny. Like it's a, a challenge, like a game. And I find it like, it's like, it's torture. <laughs> Trying to play with someone who can't hear anything you're doing is like the hardest thing you can imagine doing it's like driving with a blindfold on <laughs> or being driven by a man who's blindfolded is what it's like yeah terrifying i guess i'll just ask ed what's your favorite song to perform live um the fun pork soda is really fun because we get to like yeah. run around the stage playing the bass <laughs> i think oh, some I of the new ones are fun because oh, it's, yeah. it's, it's like a, it's a proper challenge at the moment. Hot Sugar's really cool now because we've got this thing where we make a loop of the whole band, including the drums at the beginning. And then once the loop's made, we, that's like the kind of old sample, like it uses like an old Motown sample. 
we, we make that at the beginning, play it, and then once it's looped, we put our instruments down and start playing the song over the top. So that's, that's kind of fun. Yes. Yeah, it's quite hard because if it goes wrong, it's an absolute nightmare. Yeah, if it goes wrong, it's bad. I think what, like, a third of the set is songs where we've got to do that in some form or another. Agnes, mm. Hot Sugar, Life Itself. Mama's Gun had one. Pools used to have one. Yeah, loads of, there's hey. loads of loops. I don't know why we hazy, do that to ourselves. Just. Uh, why it's do we fun do that it? way. It's the only way we can play like so much stuff because we make a loop and then play something else over the top of it. Most yeah. bands, I think, would just have a backing track, but we, we don't have them. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, I guess just to wrap it up here, you know, you guys talk about you're really eager to get back on the road. That's what you were built to do. I mean, what's next for you guys? I guess it's a little up in the air given the current global situation right now. What would you like to see come out next musically? Like, are you guys already thinking about the next album? Like, what what's going through your minds right now? We've got some cool new music videos on the way. Yeah. And um, there's still a lot more stuff to be done on this record. We've got yeah. some in-stores which are planned for December, which I don't think, I don't know if they're going to happen. We've got, there's a lot various like live things which may up, end up having to be online versions of themselves. There's a whole US tour for next year, which we've got to cross That's our fingers for. yet. <laughs> well, not? the Red Rock has. No. Yeah. It hasn't been, actually been confirmed yet, but it's been penciled. Um, but yeah, yeah no one's, sadly, no one's committing to anything like promoters and booking agents, understandably, they're not committing until they know what's happening yeah. with COVID because why would, like, you can't, you can't take that risk. Yeah. Um, but well, yeah, we're, we're making plans to try and do everything we can. There's <laughs> the UK yeah. tour that's on sale. Yep, that's true. Yeah, that's yeah. in May. Yeah. I, yeah, fingers crossed that all can get done because, you know, like I said, it, that live show in Okeechobee was incredible. And that set and this album have gotten myself and a lot of my friends through the past last months. So it's been really great just listening to the album and seeing you guys perform and everything. And this has been really good too. Trey, I don't know if you have any other questions or Troy, but this has been awesome. I mean, yeah, I was just going to uh, touch on what, on what Flynn said about uh, potential things coming down the pipeline. I know you guys just released that um, Tangerine remix with Arlo Parks. That was really cool. That added a lot of, uh, I guess like an even more like dreamy vibe to that song. Yeah. Um, how was it working with her? That was Dave. Dave, Dave has worked with her a few times, I think. He like kind of. He did one of his quarantine covers. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So yeah. It made sense just to like give her the. It kind of happened at around the same time as that happened, um, but we were all in lockdown. I think it all happened remotely, um, yeah. as far as I was aware. Um, yeah, it's just been a very weird time to yeah. be in a band. Everything that's been happening has been happening um, on the internet. Well, guys, I think I can speak for both of the co-hosts here, but thank you again so much for uh, coming on and speaking with us. We really, really appreciate it. Um, again, like Glenn said earlier, in supporting student media. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, I think that's gonna do it from, for, uh, for us, Glenn and Trey. I don't know if y'all have any, any closing remarks. Just thank you guys very much. Yeah, thank you. This this has been incredible. Thanks for having Thanks us. For having us. Thank you yeah. guys. Sweet. Thank y'all so much. And um, maybe in the future we'll uh, talk to y'all soon. Awesome. Cool. Nice. Well,
Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Sometimes I think about you. Late nights in the middle.